Hello and welcome to the uplevelmind.com podcast. My name is Drasco and I'm your host for this Real Talk segment where each episode I bring on a heart-centered entrepreneur and live on the call coached him through one central question. Are my business problems actually me problems? In that, I help them uncover why despite knowing all of the business strategies and having done all of the business courses, they are unable to get past their current revenue plateau. Each guest leaves with a deeper understanding of what inner narratives and patterns they need to overcome to realize their next revenue milestone. Without further ado, here's today's guest. Today's guest is Adrian Smoot, who got his start in real estate in 2002 when he was evicted, which led him to become a landlord. After 11 years of being a hobby landlord, he discovered his passion for real estate investing by attending a real estate investing meeting. Uh, he tapped into the untapped goldmine of mobile homes and has been following that path ever since. Uh, in addition to all of this, he also hosts a mastermind and is the author of the best-selling book, How to Buy Mobile Home. So Adrian, thank you very much for being on. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Looking forward to the unique episode. Awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. I know for you know people that might be watching this on YouTube afterwards, I mean, definitely check out your background. I was like, I see a lot of Zoom backgrounds, but like, I, <laughs> I like the way yours is set up. It's also very on brand, which is awesome. So uh, definitely a fan of that. And also, I'd love to dive a little bit deeper into... Like it's a, it's a pretty unique uh, thing that you do as far as like, you don't usually think of mobile homes uh, when you think of like real estate investing, you know what I mean? So I'd love for you to just dive into how you got to doing what you're doing, sort of beyond the bio and, and tell us more about that. Yeah, well, that's actually one of the reasons I'm in the niche of mobile home investing, because most people aren't there. I like to work a little bit less. And if there's less competition, that means I have to work less. But how did I even get here? Because I did not grow up thinking, oh, I want to be a mobile home investor. That is actually exact opposite. I grew up that they're hurricane missiles and not safe places to live because I grew up in Florida. Now, what you already alluded to in my bio that I was evicted and that's how I got into real estate. That's because my friends and I were really bad tenants. Uh, we had parties like spaghetti wrestling parties, mud wrestling parties, pudding wrestling parties. Uh, even parked the motorcycle in the living room. But basically, you don't rent to 19, 20-year-old Adrian. So fast forward a little bit. Uh, well, actually, let's just fast forward a, a good amount. And I was at a meeting that you mentioned, real estate meeting, and I heard about mobile home investing. And there wasn't, it wasn't from a speaker, just from the good old guys and girls that have been in the business as long as I've been alive. And I was like, well, these are smart people. I should listen to them. So then I bought my first mobile home. And I saw the cash flow that came with it. And I said, I don't want houses anymore. I want cash flow because cash flow is how I eat. That's how I travel. That's how I live life. And I switched my entire business to single unit mobile homes with the land. That's an individual unit, one unit. It's the home and land together. And I break it down pretty heavy like that because some people think of mobile home park and some people think of just the unit and you pay lot rent. No, I get to own the land and the home. And I rent them out really long term, even the super old ones, like the one behind me that came with most of its sighting. And that's what pays for my lifestyle. And then I got into the education world, but it's a unique area, like you said, which allows me to work less or less effort to find my deals. 
you know what i i love it uh on so many levels from like you, you just own the story of like uh you, you know full-on like, like frat house like living and like this is what happened but you know it was like fun but like even now i wouldn't rent to like the the, the past me so i'm like okay i think that's a totally cool way to like go come full circle um and the fact that you also own like Something which, especially in in the work that I do with clients, where so many of them are, are overwhelmed and overstressed because of like how much they end up working, um, it, it's very hard for them to even like take a break, right? And the fact that you're going in there owning it, like you know what, the thing that I actually want is cash flow. I want that to, um, like there's enough profit in there to fund the lifestyle that I want to live, and like I am cool with that, and like I, I want the easiest, fastest, like smoothest path towards that. I'm such a big fan of that because so often a lot of the inner work we do is to allow people to just accept that that's actually what they want. That's why they're, they're building the business they're building um, and then go into all of the things of like, okay, how do you delegate and systematize and, and like become a leader that can actually make that happen? So the fact that you're kind of leading with that, I, I just wanted to acknowledge and, and just say that that's pretty cool. So Anything else you want to comment or, or add to that uh, floor is yours. Well, I, I appreciate that. And uh, it is not because I was just born this way either. It's because I had good surroundings of people, coaches, mastermind groups to help me realize that is a better lifestyle of everything you just said. And I'm still on that journey. I don't know that I'll ever not be on that journey, uh, but it it's a better lifestyle. Once you taste it, you just can't explain it. You know, being able to truly control your time sounds awesome. But when you do it, it's pretty wild. It's in my gratitude journal pretty much every day for years and years. Love it. Love it. Okay. So yeah. And that guess I think is actually a perfect segue because it's like, okay, all this good stuff's happening. There's a lot of reasons for it. So what are like the biggest the, like challenges and stuff that, that you are having right now, either both personally in like leading the next stage of the business or, or the business itself. Um, break that down for me and then we can get into specifics. Yeah, the, my bigger focus of the business right now is actually the education side, the lifestyle RI teaching about mobile homes, but teaching it from the standpoint that the business serves us, not we are a slave to the business or what we just talked about. And that is the newer side of it because the buying and renting is still just moving along. It, it's, system pretty decent i have help with that but i have a we'll say a limiting mindset of my value of my worth you know i did get over the fact that yes people will pay me for my knowledge so i, I got past that step but it's still like actually charging what the courses are worth it's still a challenge to me you know i've done courses and i get off i'm like wow those people got a fantastic deal on the price and the value what they got. And then I'm still like, well, I don't know how to change the price to make it higher. So I, I know I, that's probably one of my biggest struggles. And I know that if I don't believe in the price, then how can I actually, no one's going to buy it if I don't believe it. So I can put the price at whatever, but I do understand if I don't actually believe that price. No one will buy it. Cause I'll feel the, I'm not genuine about it. It's probably it. one of my biggest challenges right now. Okay, perfect. Well, I'm I'm happy to to hear that you're very um self aware uh with it because yeah, changing pricing and charging more like it comes up often even in you know quote unquote successful uh entrepreneurs etc. So when it comes to so like you're aware of the problems, I'm assuming you've 
done stuff to like overcome it. So I'm just curious, like what things have you done for it? How have you approached it? Like, what have you tried to do to, to overcome that? I'm a very big fan of incantations. So I do those in the morning and I have a few different write-ups of them. I would say one of my newer ones that got pointed out a few months ago in a group was it goes on uh, what others people think and say about me is none of my business because that is linked there. I've learned because I know one of the reasons I, that I have a trouble with charging a lot or a higher price is because there's some gurus out there that have a slimy sales that makes me feel dirty and I don't want to be like them. And that's, I think, where the biggest challenge is. So I'm working on, you know, not focusing on the people that may think I'm a bad person and focus on the people that it's helping. Got it. Okay. So I guess part of the fear of, I guess it's like when I'm hearing you speak about this, it was like two, two prong, right? So there's one is like, okay, I'm charging what I'm worth. So even after the fact, when you do deliver, you're like, man, like, there was a, a clearly a gap between what I charge and the value that I provided. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's like a, like you're aware of the gap. Okay. That, that you do provide the value and I'm assuming you get the feedback for it as well. Like, wow, that was so oh, yeah. like, great. Yeah. you do. Okay. Perfect. So there's one aspect, like reality is kind of telling you that this is worth what you, you think it may be worth or other people are telling you that it's worth that much. Okay. And then, there's the disbelief internally for that. Like I, despite what reality is telling me, can't buy into the fact that it is worth that much. And if I do buy into it, then I feel like I will be representative of these people that I don't want to be like, like these sell salesy selling type individuals. So before I go on, like, is that accurate? For you? Much heavier on the second piece of being associated with those people I think I've moved through a good amount of the beginning of it. Of I do know there's value heavier than what I am charging. I should be charging more. Actually, the other day I did click and raise the price on some things. It was a little scary. I didn't tell anyone. I just did it. So uh, maybe I'm not still as proud that I did that. Um, and I still think it's undervalued. Got it. I mean, I, well, I can put on a spreadsheet that's undervalued. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah there's it. enough objective evidence that you're undercharging. Okay, so if you were to triple your price right now, what's the feeling that comes up for you internally? Oh, that I'm a slimy late night TV guru. I'm putting air quotes on that, that doesn't care about their students and is doing it all for the money. Okay, so I don't care about the students. I'm slimy. All of those narratives are there if you were to triple the price right now. Yeah. Okay. So I would say then the biggest hurdle for you is the association of what high worth, high value, high income has like the, the association of that and what that means about the people that actually do that. It's, it's almost like it's impossible to be like good and in, in, in providing something of like genuine value while also charging a lot. So what does or does not resonate with that? Yeah, that sounds right. And the ironic thing is I pay a lot for education and coaching 
when I'm paying yep. and I value it. So why do you think the reverse doesn't land for you emotionally? I don't know, which is, I feel like that's my block of, I, I do feel like I have uh, maybe a childhood brought up of a negative stigma of rich people. Yep. And maybe there's something associated there linked with the two. 110%. So here's how uh, uh, I'll connect it with for you as well. So, and for people listening, um, so you went through a series of self-assessments before you um, got, got onto this call and for everybody else listening, uh, you can do this on your own through the Peacefully Ambitious CEO uh, workshop. It's the same um, assessments. It just obviously you won't have me on air to, to walk you through them, but for you, Everything in those assessments uh, came up in kind of the, the yellow range, right? Which means like the, it wasn't to the extreme sense where like, okay, this is really like causing a lot of like stress and turmoil inside of your business and internally, uh, but it wasn't like, okay, you're in the clear with a lot of these patterns, right? So when stuff is in the yellow and for you, the, the dominant pattern that you tend to solve a lot of your problems was the outthink one. So what this basically means for, for people listening is in general, what powers people through any challenges uh, for the clients that I work with and I broke it down, it usually comes into three forms of what I call the outs. They either like outwork their doubt and they get the stuff done. They get really good at outlearning. So like investing in a lot of stuff that they do and then applying that, or they get really good at outthinking their way through things. And what I mean by that is they get good at using their head to navigate the emotions so that they can actually get the stuff done that they need to. So like you mentioned incantation, so like affirmations, journaling, et cetera, those are popular ones for people that tend to dominate uh, when they outthink. And this is where I think you're really hitting uh, the block because you're very aware of all of the iterations of your pattern. Like I, I know it's got something to do with childhood and I've heard like these stories um, I have objective evidence that it's not true. So like using my head, I, I know this is not it, but like, I, I just can't buy into it. So the problem when people try to outthink their way through things is they don't realize that at some point you can't outthink your emotions. Mm -hmm. And for you, the reason you don't buy it is because this is like an emotional reaction to if I do this and I charge more, I'm going to be essentially like the, this shameful, embarrassing thing that I've associated with people that make a lot, charge a lot, et cetera. So before I go on, like what lands for you with all of that? Everything you just said, <laughs> you are dead on. <laughs> okay. You're good okay. at writing the assessments and reading them. Yes. Okay. Awesome. So do you have any tools like Anything in your toolbox in terms of like working through the emotions of this particular thing? I mean, I do the stuff you mentioned. I do a miracle morning, you know, I, so I, and I listen to a lot of YouTube and, you know, self-help, but I, I guess there's something more I need because when you said, you know, you just outwork, outthink, and like, I'm like, yeah, but that gets a little tiring. I feel like that's what I'm doing. And there are days I'm just tired of doing it again. But I, the days I stop, I know are not as good. 
So I will continue. I have great determination, but man, is there another way? <laughs> like, or is there a way to bust through that block quicker? I, I know there's something else and I just don't, I feel almost a little stuck And the fact that I'm making progress is probably almost not good for someone like me because then I just keep doing it because it's small progress. And if I stopped, I would find a different route and make big progress is what I'm assuming. Correct. Yeah. So you're exactly on the right track. So what I call like each time these like limiting patterns pop up, what I call these are, I call them leadership limits, right? Mm -hmm. So, so they are the, the psychological and emotional um, blocks that, that generally don't allow you to do the things you need to do to get the results that you want. And they generally manifest not as like a block of, I can't get past this, but they're generally like, if you think of your business, uh, productivity, profit, and your inner peace as like this bucket we keep pouring into. So you're saying I do incantations. I invest a lot in my education. I, I work a lot. And you're like, man, like it, it just seems like that is either the slow way through, or it's like, I'm doing a lot, but not much is moving. So the way that I always um, break that down is like, that is like a bucket you keep pouring into with all of the stuff that you're doing, investing and putting resources into. And you're doing that to raise the level of your profit, your productivity and your peace. All of these leadership limits. So in this instance, it is um, like a, it's a fear of selling. It's a fear of charging more. Uh, it's a fear of what that means. It's stories that no longer serve you they operate like holes in that bucket. So like you're doing all of this stuff to pour more into the level of your peace, profit and productivity. But each one of these is a leak, right? Like how much time do you spend mm -hmm. being like, I should try, like I should increase my prices when the obvious shortest path is you just increase your prices, but there's so much friction that creates a lot of stagnation and leaks in product profit and peace with this. So that is exactly what you're describing right now, right? Like that, that, that is the leaks yes. that you're experiencing. So again, before I go on, what lands with you with that? What does it? That bucket with the holes in it. It definitely, that's a really good analogy that I guess it also goes on what I said. It almost feels tiring that it just doesn't stop. And it makes sense because the bucket has holes. So I have to keep filling it. Correct. And that's why I call them the out patterns, right? Because you're trying yeah. to either out, if in your instance, the dominant one is you try to outthink it, which is I basically mm -hmm. try to mindset my way through this thing. And it's a lot of like, I, I do my, you know, miracle morning, which has got a lot of like different steps with regards to what you do. I do incantations, etc. And I'm not even saying don't do all of those things. Keep doing it because they've already gotten you this far. This comes down to like, those are thinking tools. Whereas the biggest block for you in this is actually an emotional problem. So it's like you, you need a screwdriver, not a hammer for this particular thing. Okay. So yeah. What lands for you with that? It, yeah, exactly that. You know, the, right now I'm probably doing, I would say three-ish hours a day of something mindset self-improvement. I mean, there's been times I did four to eight a day. That doesn't leave time for anything else in life. Correct. And I, I don't plan to ever stop. Like you said, don't stop. But but it, yeah, it could be good to say have less hours in a day um, of it. And I would probably enjoy it a little bit more if and I do enjoy it, but I'm just assuming I would enjoy it even more if it didn't feel like a, it almost feels like a need to now. 
Correct. Right. Because like even just to maintain the level in that bucket, you got to keep pouring a lot into it because there's so much leaking. So yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, I understand that. So I, I guess it goes back to, again, like it, if, if you're aware of the problem, I guess like right now, the, the biggest thing is like, okay, you need tools to actually tap into reconcile and heal the emotions around this. So like, is that part at least clear so that you're not, yes. Like, why oh, yes. isn't the screwdriver not working when I need the hammer or like vice versa? Definitely. I, I, 100% believe in that. Okay, perfect. So there are a lot of things you can do uh, for that, right? And then I'll give you the blueprint for this afterwards so, so you can like dive into and just kind of see what it is. Um, but what I wanted to dive into was the, the rest of the stuff that came up in your assessment. So is that okay with you? Yeah, that's fine. I assume you're giving it to me afterwards. So I'm not crying on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. You, you would be in good company if you did. Then there's been plenty of people that that have, because sometimes a lot of like it, a lot of stuff does come up. Uh, in this yeah. Episode. I mean, in some of the mastermind groups, we happily make the joke that it's not a good day if someone didn't cry because it's not comfortable, but that's when we have the most growth. Correct. And if a lot of these things do stem from childhood, which generally like 80% of the stuff it does. Um, yeah. There's going to be a lot of pent up emotions that, that are with this. So yeah, I'm with you on that one. And then I totally get it. So no worries on my end. Um, okay. So the other parts that uh, you had submitted prior to this call were, so there was some other, so I'm specifically looking at your profit um, part. So I'm kind of not going directly into the stress and the productivity yet. Um, Cause there was a lot of stuff that came up in the profit. So few of the leadership limits that you identified prior to this call were around. So visibility and problematic habits. So fear of ruining reputation, need to show up perfectly or proper. Uh, and then problematic habits, there was a lot of like avoidance or lack of focus, like shiny object syndrome and things like that. So aside with the visibility was like, tell me more about that. How does that manifest for you? How does it show up? And then we can dive from, into it from there. The challenging part with everything you just said is I feel like I'm on both sides of that. Mm -hmm. So the shiny object, I am really focused on mobile homes. I mean, I mean, even in the niche within the mobile home space, but I still do suffer from some shiny object. You know, I'm going to go on a podcast tour and then I'm going to speak in person. Then I'm going to speak on webinars and then I'm going to do YouTube channels. And so I do get the shiny object, which I'm now realizing I, I do. And I think more than that is I don't finish a project at least 80, 90% before moving to the next one. So I just get the fun part of it done instead of just completing it and spending more time. And I, I feel like this is an entrepreneur challenge where we got great ideas and we go to do it, but we suck at implementing. And, and that is me. I know that I admit that I do have a new office manager and she's a better implementer. So I'm hoping that that will really be the right person in the seat to to implement all my ideas and to say, no, no, Adrian, slow down. The, the vision of me, like what do I look like? That is definitely a, a challenge. And I do have pieces of me that I'm like, I want to make it okay. in I use the word cool to not be perfect. Mm -hmm. 
but at times I feel like I'm trying to be perfect to make it okay not to be perfect. So I'm contradicting. And then that feels like a compromise of my integrity of what I'm saying. I know I, I'm stuck there. Some, you know, I used to hide how terrible of a speller and gra grammar I am. Uh, I was in remedial classes all through school and actually while writing my book, I found out I'm dyslexic, you know, when someone would correct me on spelling on social media, I would immediately delete it and just feel terrible all day. And I have grown to the point where I'm like, Oh, well, I guess you don't need to have a spell to buy mobile homes. So I kind of learned to throw it back and truly not care and talk about it because yeah, it sucked for a long time. And now that I feel like I've released that a piece, like I want to help other people realize that, but that's not all pieces of my life. There's still parts of my life, you know, that are, would be challenging to get on here and talk about in front of everyone. Uh, so I, I don't know. I have both sides of that. If that, I, I assume it's making sense to you. Hopefully, to the yeah, yeah, it's my job to discern it. You, you just kind of throw it at me. So, like that, that that's totally fine. Uh, it definitely makes sense that this shows up uh, in quite similar ways with a lot of different people. So, before I even get to the specifics, I, I do just want to acknowledge you again. You know, if that is the history you're coming from, coming onto a platform like this where you are, you know, really putting yourself in a vulnerable position to be witnessed in, you know, like this process is always funner on my side than it is on like the receiving side. You know what I mean? So like, I, I get, I've been on both, but like, this is the funner side of, of doing this experience. So I do just want to acknowledge you for like stepping up and into and through that fear. Uh, Cause it's not an easy one to, to do. So just want to get you. that out of the way first. Um, okay. So let's just handle it one by one, right? Like the bit about don't like, I, I don't finish a lot of projects or they get 80% done and then I stop. Um, how do you generally feel when you hit that point? Well, a new idea came up because I watched another video or I was in a mastermind group and said, someone said, this is working. And I'm like, Oh, I want to do that. And it's the, the growth side, you know, you're already uncovered that I love to grow and learn. So it's, I feel like it's kind of like I get to grow and learn something new. And then I'm like, okay, I'm pretty decent at it. Where else can I go and grow? And then I have these half done or three quarter done projects. And I'm like, why aren't they just done? Why can't I mark it off? Got it. So that's a great explanation of kind of your process through that, though, those moments of like I'm 70, 80% done. And it's interesting because the, the the question was like, well, how do you actually feel in that moment? And your brain went to just explaining what happens, right? So <laughs> if you could rewind and be like, okay, so what's the actual feeling when you decide to make that switch from, I got 20% to finish, but now I'm going to start this new other thing. Running from frustration to something that I get a bigger growth from, I I think that's the feelings, the frustration okay. running from frustration is immediately what came to my mind. Okay. You know, so the like, last 20% are frustrating. Yeah. The tweaking and stuff. I just don't care to learn, honestly. Okay. So would it be accurate to say that it's not necessarily you running towards like, there is a component where yes, you're, you're moving into 
learning something new and cool that's novel it's fun and i get that and now with this last piece of information it's like well there's a part of it's actually seeking relief because there is hmm. frustration in the last 20 percent so then there's an impulse to actually get relief by enjoying the novelty of something new so what lands for you from that reflection yeah i i can I can see that thinking back through some, some stuff. Uh, I, I can definitely see uh, like, ah, this is too much work. I don't want to deal with it anymore, but this sounds like it's going to be fun and easy. And yeah. I I'm smart enough now to understand or enough experience. I should say not smart enough, enough experience to know that's going to happen with everything. Correct. And I think I'm more recently really embodying that knowledge that it's just like, all right, I got to, figure something out or this is just going to be a repeating pattern that's not going to ever stop yeah so that's a leadership limit of avoidance right okay so in this instance as soon as this feeling that i don't like and or it shows me because sometimes it would all and i don't know for sure for you but i'm just gonna throw it out there and you let me know if it does or does not resonate but oftentimes it's like the the frustration hits whenever it is that we either don't like it it's work that we generally aren't the best at or it's work that should I complete it, it might trigger something new. So like, for example, people that don't release things that they've done, they don't post them, they don't launch them, et cetera. Oftentimes the reason they avoid is because they want relief from the fear of like, okay, well, if this goes out, I might fail, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm just curious, does any of that land for you? I'd say the first to the... The fear of it failing is situational. I wouldn't say it's overall, and I would say it's becoming less and less because I do talk a lot about massive imperfect action, and I know that from my life and studying enough successful people that taking action and failing forward, like the John Maxwell way of failing forward, is the best way and it actually has a lot more success. So I, but there's still things out there that I'm like, oh, I just don't want it. I don't want to hear the jokes and the the critique from, and that's probably stuff that's way outside my comfort zone, not just like the little bit out. And there is a little sense of, uh, I need to take care of my team. You know, I've got right now I have two VAs and then a part-time office manager. And if I screw up, that affects their lives. And I don't have kids now. If I had kids my personal would be a little different stance, but I almost care about affecting their life more than me because I don't want to sleep under a bridge in a tent, but I know I could. Now, if I had kids, I wouldn't want to put them in that situation. So I I know I can get through whatever, you know, I can just stop drinking expensive coffee and craft beer and I'd save a lot of money there from a screw up. But the thought of it affecting negatively my team, because I, I do have a lot of, it's, they're not just a, a check that I write to someone to like, I, I care about, we, we do mindset work. I, I actually care a lot and take a lot of pride in that. And I don't want to risk um, affecting their life. I mean, it affects their life if I can't pay them. 110%. So thank you for sharing that because now it illuminates more of what's behind the avoidance pattern, right? So there's one aspect, which is, you know, just uh, whatever you want to call it, maybe like a tolerance around frustration 
and like completing work that I don't necessarily like so that that's part of that not completing the last 20%. And then there's also another aspect where completed work that's novel in some way carries a risk. And now that risk carries into my responsibility for my team, right? So like kind of mm -hmm. subconsciously will self-sabotage by never completing it. So then I can never actually screw my team up, right? Like we just kind of repeat the things that, that have been proven to be safe. So again, is that accurate with regards to what your experience is like? Yeah. And I think that's probably one reason I haven't taken some of the bigger leaps with the education side because the mobile homes could pay for my life. I could essentially trim my team down massively and just be like, I'm good. You know, life would be fine, but I, I want more. I want to help. So I think that I don't want to screw up my already success and build this big monster have to spend a lot of money every month. That's one of the, probably that back to that money thing I didn't think of earlier is I do have a fear of having to spend so much every month and then the money not come in. And now I'm in the negative in this business. And to me, that's a failure, even though I know that businesses don't make money the first few years. And I didn't, you know, now it is a profitable year. And I think that I linking that sum success when that's not what i want the success of the business to be i just went on a different tangent a different okay. direction good, on you good, good, good noticing but yeah no that's totally fine it, it happens and it just it real it reveals another layer to the avoidance right because there's an element of protection in it now as well right like i'm protecting myself from these other bigger financial risks which again, they're all risks. So it's kind of like, mm -hmm. you, you know, entrepreneurship by on its own is going to have a level of uncertainty. So this is just revealing, okay, in terms of like bigger numbers, whether it is I'm charging for them or I'm now investing in it in terms of like ongoing expenses to grow, There, there's a part of me that just kind of turtles. Like it, it, just, it just doesn't want to go there. So the avoidance is basically relief from that. It allows you to not have to deal with those things head on um, and it manifests as well. I just don't complete a lot of things. And then I just move on to something new and exciting and you get that dopamine hit. And then that kind of continues. So again, that resonates with regards to what your experience is like. Yep. And every once in a while I'll get so frustrated. I feel like I do break through a little bit or I have learned slightly to flip it that using taking care of my team as the motivator. Like I need to do this very uncomfortable last 20%. Yeah. If not, I can't help them. Right. Which goes back. But to it is hard. I, 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 it takes everything to not just go to the next thing. Correct. And that's probably from your analogy earlier, probably because I'm the bucket is empty and I'm just being a bull and running through it, even though it's empty. Correct. Like you're just pouring more into it without really addressing yeah. the holes. And if you look at this yeah. one, like the avoidance for you, like it, it's not like you, you literally just shared the mindset shift around it. It's like, I focus on my team. I focus on what the bigger vision is. Like, I, I understand all of those things. Like, hence I outthink my way through problems. Right. And the avoidance for you is actually an impulse. It's, it's an urge to do the safer thing. 
right? So the linchpin in what is holding you back in this instance is, again, it's, it's a feeling. And at some point you can't outthink your feelings, right? You're just now seeing it play out in two different areas. One with regards to pricing, one with regards to finishing tasks. And you'd probably feel a lot better at pulling the trigger on these bigger projects if your margins were appropriate. Like there's yes. no buffer to actually do all of the things, right? So now that's yes. the overlap. And that has been a newer driver to actually make money, more money. So I can spend money on stuff that will help me and help my team and then keep me doing more of what I want and just help them out. Correct. Because I believe if they have a better experience with what they're doing, they're going to be happier and then they enjoy their job which also benefits me because they want to stay and they enjoy their job. Correct. And the further you don't lean into fixing these emotions, the more you stay in that overwhelmed hamster. Yeah. Well, she got to keep doing like the next exciting thing. I can't raise my prices, but I'm trying to like do all of the things and put more like water in the bucket. And it's like, and that's what creates that perpetual cycle. Right. So I know you understand that. And I just wanted you to now zoom out. So if you look at, let's just say these top um, like emotional leadership limits, right? For use of avoidance and, and like the, the the charging and the worthiness in charging. If you're zooming out, like how are they actually affecting your profit? How are they affecting? I mean, I'm, I'm playing small and not making nearly as much. And I don't know how much more it could be, but I know it's, A quick guess out of throwing a dart is it's probably 30, 40, 50 times like what I could be making with the right mindset and, you know, the uh, some systems obviously with it as well. But I can't even, I'm, I'm just kind of getting those done. And I know there's been something holding me back. I, I felt it. And you're starting to pinpoint and give me some analogies of what's happening but I have felt it for a while and it's, it's frustrating. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a big hole 30 to 40 times. Like that, that's a big, <laughs> that, that's a big leak uh, in terms of what these things are potentially costing. And I know it's not like the immediate, like I, I do this one thing and suddenly I have, you know, 40 X my business, but that's a pretty big hole overall. So I, I'm glad that you're able to make that connection. Cause oftentimes that that's kind of how these things translate. Um, and yes, I agree with you. You can't ignore the objective pieces like, yeah, they need systems in place, et cetera. And, and that's all good and great. And the bottleneck to all of these things is always going to be you as the leader of it. Right. Yes. I, I go through these with like leadership limits. That is the biggest hole in the bucket at all times. Cause even with the perfect system, if you yourself can't buy into the margins that you're charging or the pricing that you're charging, everything falls apart because it, it's, it goes from top to bottom. Right. So I'm glad that yep. you're making that connection as well. And just to kind of close this off, like what what is it that like in your words that you see as the biggest block that's been revealed to you from like everything we've spoken about today? I mean, the, the term that you're using, the emotional block in the buckets, that is massively resonating. The fact that I've just been out working, out thinking, you know, out doing and the analogy of the bucket. I mean, you had the video at the end of one of those and like it hit me then. And then the way you've explained it, 
that is exactly what I've been doing. I didn't realize it. And, and now I'm even thinking right now, man, if I could plug a few of those holes, then the bucket can overflow, which would help me give even more and help more people. And then, you know, you're supposed to give from an overflowing bucket and that would, yeah, I think I answered your question. Like there's yeah. a million things running in my head because I'm an overthinker as we've already talked about. That That's okay. The, the, the gift of that overthinking is once things click, they, they click and then they go out quite a lot. So yeah, that, that's a beautiful thing. So yeah, I'm glad it, it, it's sticking. I'm glad that it's landing. I agree with exactly everything you said. I think you articulated even better uh, than I would have reflected it. So yeah, I, I would think uh, this is a good time to kind of close it because i mean i know there's a lot of areas we can go but we're not gonna have time to, to dive into all of them so does this feel complete for you or is there still something left outstanding no this is a great hey here's kind of a thing you need to work on and i'm interested to get those tools because now like you said like i know what it is now i can't ignore it you know i don't i don't know how people ignore it once they kind of know there's a challenge there i'm like as soon as i know there's a challenge i, I gotta attack it <laughs> and find so. the right tools to attack it with and yeah I, i'm excited I, I was i was scared coming into this I, I, I told you off air i was a little scared coming into this and i'm leaving it super excited love it well <laughs> no no better compliment than that like okay this wasn't a complete disaster for you to uh, <laughs> go into the vulnerability bit so thank you i, I appreciate that and yeah I'm, I'm glad that this is all clicking for you um, so yeah, so you can just close us off and let everybody know, uh, you know, where they can find you, who's the best person to find you floor is yours for that. Yeah. My education site is lifestyle dash REI and you can go in there and it has the links to my social media. Uh, you can shoot me a, a message email there. If you something I can help you with, I have education on there, a blog on there. Uh, it does focus on real estate, but I have mindset because as we've talked about, I love that. And I assume within six months, a year, I would have a little bit that I learned from today and going forward because I just keep kind of teaching what I am going through. And if I can help someone out, I'd love to help them. Beautiful. Love it. Well, Adrian, thank you very much for uh, being on and allowing yourself to be witnessed in this way. And then for everybody else listening, we'll see you on the next one.